Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 112 of It's Not the Worst Movie Ever podcast. We're bringing you this episode on a lovely Monday. I'm your host, Lee Paddock, and my co-host, Sterling Hammer. And of course, uh, we'd like to issue a little spoiler alert before we talk about the films, so there you go. Spoiler alert, you fucks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this week... It was a film chosen by me. Lee. Uh, last week we watched a uh, a lighthearted romp called "Here Comes the Boom," mm-hmm. which the was the UFC uh, theme. It was about mixed martial arts fighting. Wham! <clears throat> uh, this movie that I had chosen uh, is about boxing so i guess it's technically also about mixed martial arts yeah but that's but where it's one element yes this is a it's not very not a lighthearted romp not fun really at all no uh not in the slightest uh the movie we watched was raging bull uh starring uh the great robert de niro of course mm-hmm. uh directed by Probably, quite possibly, maybe my favorite director, uh, Martin Scorsese. Makes sense. Uh, I think you've shown me a few of his movies now at this point. This is the third movie I've shown you of his. <clears throat> uh, we The first one I showed you was Goodfellas, huh. uh, which is, of course, you know, go listen Fuck to that up. episode. Yeah, it's a good episode. I had a strong reaction to that movie. And then, of course, we watched Taxi Driver, which was uh, your absolute favorite. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, just, you, uh, you, you hated it. That uh, kind of hurt my soul a little bit because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's not like I didn't admit that it's good acting and all that. I just hated the movie. I know, and a lot of people honestly feel the same way you do because it is a very gross movie. You're just like, I don't like anybody in this movie. <laughs> And now, yes, we've watched Raging Bull, uh, which, uh... Which was first, Raging Bull or... Taxi Driver came first. That was in the mid-70s. This was, uh, 1980. And this actually is, uh, it's interesting how this movie sort of came to be. Because Martin Scorsese was, um, not really in a great place, uh, both personally and, uh, professionally around the time that he was gonna uh, before he was he made this film the previous movie he had made uh was another movie with robert de niro i mean that was sort of his his main star yeah yeah. for a time before leo came along (laughs) um it was a movie it was a musical musical comedy starring yeah robert de niro what and liza minnelli i think i could be wrong about that it was a big flop. Sounds like it. Uh, but apparently it's not like the worst movie ever. It's sort of now like a lot of movies that sort of didn't do well when they came out. It's sort of gotten a little bit of a reappraisal. It's a Scorsese movie, so of course People look at it with a different lens. Yes, but at the time uh, it was a big disappointment for Scorsese. Uh, he was addicted to uh, cocaine mm. and I think was a little bit of an alcoholic at this point. Not in a very good place 
uh, personally. He was very depressed and was considering giving up making movies, making feature films at least. He wanted to make, he wanted to go on and just make documentaries, um, which he had already had experience in. He had made like short documentary movies uh, early in his career. Um, and so Robert De Niro came along and he read this biography about this boxer named Jake LaMotta. Um, and for some reason, Robert De Niro was just infatuated with it. It's such a random boxer. It's like, I don't think anyone other well, than this movie remembers his name. At the time, you know, this that's the thing. At the time, Jake LaMotta was a big deal. Before probably, uh, I don't know, like 1970, he was a big deal. Um, and as you see in the movie, his star sort of slowly fades over time yeah. due to a lot of different factors, uh, which we'll get into. But yeah, uh, it's not like Robert De Niro like, liked the guy, even though uh, he eventually, they brought on Jake LaMotta as a consultant. Oh. He's credited in the movie as a consultant. He even trained with... Jake LaMotta, uh, and apparently they had Jake LaMotta, I don't know, Jake LaMotta could be lying about it, but they said they had maybe like a, over like a thousand like sparring matches together. That seems crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't really believe That seems it. exaggerated. I don't really believe that. But I do think they, Robert De Niro well, was probably... trained a lot, but a thousand times. I do believe that Robert De Niro was probably obsessive about it so he probably wanted to train a lot with him but a thousand does seem and at this point Lamada must have been super out of shape he was old and yeah very much out of shape well we see even in like at the end of the movie like he was already like pretty out of shape yeah they, he it's they don't paint him in a good light so it's which surprising that he's like, a, signed off on it which is a thing that I th he, he didn't exactly sign off on it actually which so is, he's actually kind of upset? He wasn't really upset. He was just kind of like, oh, well, I really don't look good in that, do I? He's like, oh, that's what people are going to remember me as. Yeah. And he, but, like, I think he sort of accepted it. Like, eh, yeah, maybe I was a pretty bad guy. And there's yeah. a funny story about how <clears throat> he went to see, I think he went to, like, the premiere with his ex-wife, the one who's in the movie, <laughs> Vicky. Um, they watched the movie together, and when it was over, Jake Lamada had the balls to ask, was I really that bad? And she was like, oh, no, no, no. You were much worse. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus. Like, what? How was that even worse? Because, yeah, this movie... Did they tone <laughs> down the domestic abuse? Maybe a little bit. Which was a lot. There's a lot of it, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Robert De Niro was just like pestering Martin Scorsese to make this movie because he felt like he was the only one who could do it. And I think so, so too. and Scorsese for a while was resistant, not just because he didn't even really want to make movies anymore. It was because he had absolutely no interest in boxing. He thought it was a 
boring, pointless sport. <laughs> but uh, as De Niro kind of kept pushing him to like read the biography, um, I, I think like De Niro said like he didn't he didn't actually like how it was written. Um, like he didn't really care for like the. I guess like it might have been just like a bad biography mm, overall, but he, he somehow he found the the story uh, of this horrible person <laughs> uh, so fascinating that he was like, I have to play him, and we have to do this him. together. And so Scorsese was like, All right, this will be my final movie. He said that uh, a lot throughout his career. No. This was... He's not like Tarantino, although I actually do think Tarantino is serious about his upcoming movie. Yeah, being just because he's old movie. And just the way that the Hollywood system is, has changed just doesn't feel like he fits in with it anymore. And who knows how long it's going to be until this movie's made now. I think he's he's finished writing the script... Yeah, but now oh, yeah, we have no the, the, the actor strike. And writer strike. He is a part of the Writers Guild. We're dating this podcast episode in the future. If Unless it, it's if still it, going on. If it gets oh, resolved. No, no, no. Hopefully it gets resol- <clears throat> resolved in a way where all the, the writers are paid handsomely, the actors, who aren't the big stars. Yeah, they already make a lot of money. Because it's not about them. It's about people who the are extras. like... extras. It's, it's about, about the extras, character actors. Working actors. Recurring, yeah, people who are in recurring mm-hmm. roles. Working people actors. People who aren't getting millions of dollars per episode. They're getting like a few hundred bucks or a few thousand at most. People... They're lucky. People who live off of residuals. Yeah. Uh, which nowadays with streaming, you know, that... I guess their contracts don't account for that. So the... Uh, you know these producers they just get just, like a lump sum which is usually like 500 bucks yeah and these producers are just fucking raking in all the money yeah the companies of their hard Netflix work and yeah and they're talking about replacing them with AI and, and shit and the, the, the thing that they've asked for the the increase in spending is like so little it's piddly and the big ass billion dollar studios are like oh it's no it's, un, it's unfeasible it's just unrealistic There's no right way now. Apple could spend 17 million more a year on this. No, not on human rights. No. <laughs> like, when they broke it down by company, it's like so little. Like the amount sounds a lot until you break down what each one of these mega billion dollar corporations has to pay. It's like, oh, fuck yourselves. And yeah, the producer, the CEO of, of Disney was like, you know, their their demands are just... A little too unrealistic. Meanwhile, he's at like a, a retreat, like specifically for billionaires. And while he was right, while he was fucking quoting, while he was quoted as that, or because it's ridiculous. He and and because he's just he's crazy. He's looking to sell all of like Disney's television stuff. He's looking to just sell Disney. It seems like or Disney Plus or something. Yeah, which is crazy. Because I thought Disney Plus was working. I guess not. A lot of their shit has just been crashing and burning. Secret Invasion, I, I heard, has not been doing very well. No one's really been watching it. I don't even know what that is. There you go. That's the new Marvel thing. The new show? Well, it's, I think it's like a limited series. Oh, I've never seen it. But it's like this thing with uh, like Sam Jackson, Nick Fury. Uh, p- aliens come down and they're like impersonating people. 
I'm taking over the world or some shit. I don't know. It's based off of a comic of a off of a storyline that's famous in the comics. Nobody's watching it. Nobody cares. All the Marvel projects are just we're burnt out on it. Yeah, and then look at what we Barbie's a g- going big. Barbie's a huge hit. Oppenheimer's a hit. Which is the biggest surprise Sound to of me. Freedom. Yeah, that movie, which some Just people are saying, some people are saying is like Q- QAnon, like propaganda. Uh, yeah, but it's also about. I don't think it is. It's I've about heard, human trafficking, and it's not a movie I want to watch. But no, not really. But it's an independent movie that's making a ton of money, and only in America, so it's nice to see a movie like succeed in America. All three of these movies are doing really well in North mm. America. People have a taste for at least just something different. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Spider-Man movie made some a lot of money, so people are still into superheroes, but I think they're just... Printing out on the Marvel thing. We want just a good story. Yeah, unique a, stuff. A movie with quality. All the DC movies have failed. Because they're trying to copy the Disney formula, and it's not working for them. Yeah, the the Flash. Whew. Oh, that was sad. And Indiana Jones. I heard that's better if you watch it two times. Why would you want to watch it two times? Because it's better the second time, and you can appreciate it the second time. At least not even watched it once, and you know, you're judging it this hard. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it someday. Not going to see it Plus? in a theater. Yeah. Maybe. When it's owned by uh, Apple. Yeah, like, who's going to buy these things? Isn't that weird to sell those things? Like, your own logo? And they're, and yeah, and they're, like, deleting content as, like, a tax write-off. Which is sad. And it's, yeah, it's sort of an insult to a lot of those, like, people who, who made those who shows. Made the things. Yeah, it may be bad. Yeah, but who liked it. There's going to be people that liked it and now they're just never going to watch it even though they pay for your service. You'll never be able to see it again unless you pirated it. Which I'm sure people did. Yeah, of course. And upload it to the internet archives. The age of piracy is back. It's going to have to be. <laughs> the way they keep raising prices and making all these password crackdowns and all these greedy McGreedies. I hope we'll, we'll move past it soon. Wow, what a... What a detour. <laughs> Let's get back into the movie. Let's go back into Raging Bull. So, yeah. We were talking about, you know, Scorsese. Like, this was going to be his last movie. Uh, but during, like, the editing process of it, uh, he sort of felt like this was, like, oh, this was what I was meant to do. Um, I was meant to make movies. Because it was really because he actually had what they call final cut, which is complete creative control over the movie. He was able to overlook all the editing. He was able to cut it exactly the way he wanted it without the studio being like, "Well, you have to do it this way." Huh, that's lucky. Uh, because he was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be my last movie. Whatever, you know, I'm gonna f- well, not even what, not whatever," because he actually fought really hard. To get that, you have because uh, because studios do not like to willingly just give a filmmaker 
complete and total control over a yeah, project. Yeah, you know what kind of crazy shit if they're, they're not, If they don't trust them, which is hard to believe that at that, I mean, even at that time, that people didn't trust Martin Scorsese. Well, maybe he was known as an oddball. Well, of course he was. He was or reckless. Of course he was known as kind of being reckless, but he was also, you know, critically acclaimed. Some of his movies before the one that he did before Raging Bull were successful. Taxi Driver actually was a modest hit at the box office. Um, That's the point, minute. And uh, this movie actually was not. Uh, this movie did not do very well. It actually Whoa. didn't do very well critically either. So you had two flops in a row? Yeah. But he wasn't, like, discouraged by it, weirdly enough. This one, because he still liked this movie? Because he was so he was proud of it. And he should, and he definitely should be, because I do think it is a, it's a great film. And we'll, uh, we'll get into the, the meat of it in, the nitty-gritty. in a moment. Um, but yeah, I just feel like I kind of needed to set that up, because there's, you know, there's that quote at the end of the movie. Like, there's like a biblical quote where, you know, it's the famous quote of, like, when I, I was blind, now I can see. Um, and then he thanks his uh, his film professor, who also helped him get his first movie made. His first mm-hmm. film, which I think is called Who's That Knocking at My Door, which Sleepy. I have not seen. Uh, and, yeah, you could definitely feel like it. it was intended to be, like, a swan song for himself, weirdly enough, even though he was still relatively young. Um, yeah, I just like, it was a long time ago. It was over 40 years at this point. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I guess we should just, we should talk about the film. Uh, the movie is about, uh, a boxer named uh, Jake LaMotta, who uh, it's basically, like many Martin Scorsese movies actually, uh, it's the rise and fall of a uh, pretty uh, <laughs> unlikable character Ugh. on the outset. Uh, it's sort of like, uh, definitely in the same vein as like Goodfellas, Maybe not as, like, hyper, not as, like, fun as that movie, maybe. Even though I wouldn't say Goodfellas is a totally fun movie. No, not fun, but... A movie that's a little bit more exuberant. Yeah, this was, like, four people and two were men just hitting women the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also, yeah, it's a little like uh, Wolf of Wall Street. You know, just these characters who are, you know... Scumbags. Yep. Uh, but weirdly enough, it's it's like we're sort of like a fly on the wall, especially with this movie. And I can definitely see uh, where like Scorsese was like, I want to make documentaries because I feel like this movie sort of feels like a documentary at points because we're just kind of like. Why, I feel like we feel it feels so detached 
from the events that are happening on screen. That it's sort of just leaving it up to us to like figure out like how we should feel about it. Mm. Um, I don't think, and I know he definitely. It's not like he doesn't feel anything about this. He definitely doesn't like Jake LaMotta. But I think he also probably relates to him in some aspects. Um, because, you know, this is a movie, it's really just about a person with rage issues. I mean, it's called Raging Bull. Yeah, hardcore jealousy issues, too. Jealousy, paranoia, and dare I say it, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is all about that. Yeah. Without putting... You know, without saying it out loud, they never, they didn't even really think in those terms back then. Oh, but this is the time, like, this is what boomers say, like, the good old days. This is when... No, this sort of exposes the dark underbelly of that time. Mm-hmm. Women having no rights. Women not having a say in anything, really. Just being completely objectified. Extreme racism. Extreme racism. Well, I mean, I wouldn't even say extreme racism. I'd say sort of conflicting views because of course you know uh jake lamada's main like rival uh in actual in his real life and in the movie is uh sugar ray robinson a black boxer um who uh is one of many yeah it's just we see throughout the film he faces a lot of different like uh, black opponents and it you know it feels like you know the league itself the boxing league itself isn't racist necessarily you feel like they're beginning to sort of integrate uh, things are beginning to integrate and this is you know New York it's not the south so you know the Jim Crow laws aren't really in effect there yeah but you know of course there's all, there's always been tension between the uh, uh, the black community and the Italian American community. Oh yes, definitely. And this movie sort of covers that a little bit. Uh, there's lots of racism, uh, lots lots of racist terms uh, used by Robert uh, by Jake LaMotta's brother. Yes, Joey, who's played by Joe Pesci. God, just the angriest little fuck in Hollywood. He always plays that that guy, and this is the first time he did it. This was his uh, first major feature film role. Just that kind of guy. They go, "You're short," and he just fucking loses. He explodes. It. But I mean, that's not. I love Joe Pesci's like that in real life. No, apparently he's actually a really just like quiet, subdued guy, which is kind of crazy. I mean, you know. He, because he just plays these characters that just explode. Well, Robert De Niro is also a character who plays. Yeah, but he looks characters. it. <laughs> but I mean, he's apparently he's not like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can't really judge the actor just from the roles that they play. Watch me. They're human beings too. Watch me judge. Hmm. <laughs> uh. But yeah, uh, this movie, yeah, deals with a lot of different, uh, I don't, oh, I think the point I was trying to make, that I was stumbling over, 
was that I don't think Jake LaMotta himself was racist. He doesn't, I don't think, because he doesn't really, he doesn't really, uh, like, he doesn't call Sugar Ray Robinson any names. Um, in fact, I think even when Joey, like, calls him the, the racist term that he calls him, he doesn't, it's not the N-word either. It's actually the Italian word, which I'm not going to say. Oh. Um, we almost got him, ladies and gentlemen. Look it up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kind of tell he just tells him to like kind of shut up, and you know. I don't know. I just I I feel like that's sort of an interesting aspect you can sort of interpret from his character. Hmm. There's a lot of things that I feel like are left up to interpretation. Uh, I don't know. My interpretation is, oh, they're all dirtbags. Yeah. I don't really feel like any deeper. I just think they're dumb Italian trash <laughs> from, like, tiny little neighborhoods and inbreeding. And inbreeding? Just fucking just dub-dubs. Just got punched in the head a lot. He did. This is a pretty violent movie. And his wife got punched in the head a lot, too. He slapped her around a lot. I think he beat up Joe Pesci a lot, too. In that one scene, yeah. Like, I just think, as like, often. Like, I think if you were in his circle, he beat you up. That was, like, well, the way he showed love. Thing. He was... He couldn't separate his persona in the ring from outside of it. Yeah. He was always... The Raging Bull, yes, a scumbag, an abusive scumbag. Um, and yeah, like this movie just charters his life uh, from the early 1940s, at the height of his popularity, to uh, about the 19 the early 1960s, mm. when he's a fat, overweight, divorced, divorced, disgraced. Failure. Uh, stand-up comedian in a shitty nightclub. Which is so sad. Mm-hmm. It's like, is that what they used to do back then when you were like a celebrity, celebrity, but your career completely failed? You, you tried to become a, a stand-up comic? I don't know. I guess there's a lot of clubs around. You just go around and do shows, 50 bucks, 20 bucks, and all that maybe, stuff. Maybe, like, maybe that was a thing in his real life where he was... Like a like passionate about comedy or something, uh. But they just don't really cover that in the movie. But I I don't know. It's uh. It's pretty interesting to see like. His trajectory. Like how like fit he looks in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the prosthetics are pretty good for me, like making him. Oh no, he gained really the real oh, weight. Oh yes, Robert De Niro gained about, I think about fifty pounds. Which is kind of crazy to go from that, like that skinny to that fat. It's one of the most at the time. It was like the most radical body transformation anybody had made uh, up to that point. It's up pretty a, crazy. Up until uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in Full Metal Jacket. 
mm. you know, Private Pyle, yeah. the guy in the beginning of the movie, who would eventually play Kingpin. Yes. And because of that, Vincent D'Onofrio never shook, completely shook the weight off, if you notice. He actually used to be kind of a skinny, bulky guy. Oh. Uh, he was a bouncer at a nightclub. I don't know why we're talking about this now, but uh, he was actually a skinny, kind of bulky guy. But he never, once he put on the weight for that role, his first major role, by the way, mm. uh, he never completely uh, fell in love with the Twinkies. I mean, he's not like as big as he was when he made that movie. No, but for Kingpin, he had to be pretty big. Yeah. Please. Ah, <laughs> uh, we always gotta talk about Marvel. Ugh. Well, that was good Marvel. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it was the first season anyway. Of Daredevil. Um. Yeah, and yeah, it's good. It's interesting to see Robert De Niro go from being so fit to. Uh, being like overweight, him. and then I think the nose, though, his busted up nose, his giant nose, is definitely prosthetic. Yeah, of course, it looks like a sausage link. <laughs> yeah, um, that just shows like like all the years of like fucking just damage boom, boom, boom. that this guy's been taking. Um, the fights in this movie, the actual boxing is pretty brutal. Yeah, I'd say. Scenes where it's a classic. Uh, how do you say his name? Scorsese. Yeah, uh, the blood just squirting out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Scorsese. You see that in a lot of his movies. Scorsese's movies are often quite violent. And he uh, loves it when someone gets smashed in the nose and the blood just goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of that in this movie. Uh, the f- especially his final fight with. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah, to himself. He's like, come on, man. He won't let himself go down. Because exactly, yeah. I think that's a. Ter- I think that's such a great scene. You never got me down. You never got me down, Ray. Never got me down. And his face is just completely just <laughs> busted up. And then there's so much blood; it's still like just dripping off of the the rope. I know. The it's ring. gross. I love it. Love I it. I don't like it. It's beautiful imagery. Uh, this is a movie that wallows in such ugliness, but is also very, dare I say, poetic. Um, yeah, it's I black know. and white, by the way. Oh, yes. It's black and white <sighs> film. Uh, the reason... It had color for 20 years at this point. Yeah. Okay. You know what? One of the reasons why it was shot in black and white was because they wanted to differentiate it from... Rocky, which was the big oh, boxing yeah. movie that everybody was thinking of at the time. And apparently, there were three other boxing movies in production at the same time as Raging Bull was being made. Huh. One of them was Rocky Two. <laughs> so, they wanted, already to, winning. they wanted to uh, make, they wanted to differentiate it from all those other movies. Um, and because of that, I think it, it does give it its own identity. I think the black and white makes it uh, beautiful. I think it makes it look like a much older film than it is. 
It really does look like a movie from like it does, the it late does. from like the forties, or even like the early fifties or something. Um, I just think I you know as a film nerd you know I absolutely you know I love that kind of stuff. Yes. I like black Reasons and white. Sterling does not Ugh. seem to really like black and white all that much. I want color in my life. I love it. Color is great. And color can be used absolutely wonderfully in movies. Uh, but sometimes some stories I feel like work best in black and white. They, they just capture a certain mood. It just captures a certain mood. I guess since it is based in like the fifties and the sixties and all that, it does. The early forties. But the only color scenes there are in this movie are the scenes that are shot on uh, eight millimeter. The montage that we get of the wedding. Yeah, that was. And weird. the honeymoon. That was yeah. so random. I love that whole sequence. Because it's the one moment where it's like Jake kind of gets to live a normalish life. Mm-hmm. Gets to be kind of happy and not paranoid. I mean, he's still beating the fuck out of people. I like how it's sort of juxtaposed. Juxtaposed. I can't say the word. It's sort of uh, it's cut together with his boxing matches. So you're getting these really like these nice moments of him with his new family, his new wife, his spending time with his brother um and then he's punching people in the face mm-hmm. blood squirting out and everything and there's this operatic music playing <laughs> especially in the, like I love the opening of this movie the opening credits uh where he's just he's in the ring by himself and there's mist Throughout the arena, the operatic music, he's just bouncing up and down in slow motion, shadow boxing. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's the, yeah, oh my god, yeah. This, that's the kind of stuff I love in movies. This is one of those movies where it's like, it's hard to really talk about as much as I love it. It's a movie I really think that you just have to see and make your own judgment on. It's a challenging film because it is so in your face with how unlikable Jake LaMotta is. Yeah, he's a wife-beating pedophile. I wouldn't... Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll Movie get... starts with pedophilia and ends with pedophilia. You can't be like he's not a pedophile. So, yes, he meets his future wife. At the eight, when she is 15 years old. And they start dating when she's like 16 and then wait to get married until she's 18. But they fucked way before that. Yes, there's that very uncomfortable sexual scene. Yes. And it's meant to be uncomfortable. Because she's 16? Yes. I do think that, yes. And then in the end, he gets a comeuppance because of fucking around with a, four, another, a 14-year-old. Exactly. And his whole thing is, how could you have told? I bet if you see the real picture, you'd be like, bitch, <laughs> this is movie makeup woman, girl. The girl, like the actress is fucking 28. The real, yeah, in real life is probably. A 14 year old looks like a 14 year old. Probably even worse. Um, so yeah, he. Uh, so he, he liked them young. Unfortunately. Well, the girl that he meets at towards the end of the movie, 
the one who go, who comes to his nightclub. He didn't get in trouble for actually doing anything with, with her. Because he actually didn't. He just kissed her. What he got in trouble for was introducing her to men who did assault her. Oh, that's sad. Um, I don't know if those people actually got in trouble or if he so. was the only one who did. <laughs> that would be crazy. But, yeah, that that whole part of the movie is pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch at that point because it's just, he's at such a low point because then, it, uh, you know, we're skipping over a lot, but I guess we can kind of go out of order with this movie a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's mainly it's, just a portrait of a man's life. Yeah, something like and, Wikipedia, but. Yes, of course you can Wikipedia. They didn't have Wikipedia back then. They did. This movie came out. They did. Sure. It's called the Encyclopedia. Or you could have just read the biography. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I don't know if is even in print anymore. Probably not. You probably have to buy it like secondhand. Mm-hmm. Like a thrift store. Um. But yeah, the oh yeah, we were talking about the. The end of the movie. So he has to, uh, in order to pay for, like, his bail, so he doesn't go to jail, um, he, <laughs> his plan is to, uh, go to his wife's house, who's just, who just divorced him. His wife finally just has enough of him. Yeah. Uh, and just leaves him. Um, but he, he fucking, like, busts in. <laughs> To his uh, ex-wife's house. Mm. And she's just like, you're going to wake my kids. <laughs> and he's like, I just need the... the cha-. He, she has his championship belt. He was the middleweight champion of the world at one point. And he doesn't go to s- just take the belt, which is probably... Which would be the logical thing to do. Yeah, that's the thing you sell. But I think he wanted to keep the belt. As a pride thing. And that's another thing about his character. He's very prideful man he'd be willing to sell the jewelry on it but not the belt itself. yeah so yeah he uh, decides like i'm just gonna rip the jewels out um and he when he goes to the pawn shop uh to sell them they're like well we'll give you like i don't know 1500 for the jewels but we would have given you a lot more for the belt that's the collector's item he's like oh god <laughs> and then he calls uh Whoever to His tell lawyer. like yeah he's like ah yeah I don't have it ah you know they're gonna arrest me they're gonna arrest me and then cut to him like struggling fighting immediately <laughs> and they're just like throwing him in like he's a fucking like they throw him in solitary immediately yeah he throw and he's like that like, yeah it looks like he's a fucking like pig being thrown into a like a pen or something and then he's like fuck your mother and then we have probably the most harrowing scene in the entire movie where he completely breaks down mm-hmm. and he starts beating the wall he starts hitting his head against the wall really hard I know, it was the horrible. sound it makes is just oof I don't know if it was real like if I like, doubt it was real but it was probably like just some kind of form foam like something that's gonna make noise but Probably still wasn't fun to hit. Probably not. 
And and if the guy did it for real, it's even like, oh. Probably. But yeah, he just, he completely loses it and just breaks down in tears and questions everything that he's ever done. And even, it's, it's remarkably similar because he says, I'm not an animal. It's remarkably similar to the ending of The Elephant Man. Which you haven't seen, have you? Elephant Man? Yeah. Oh. Which, weirdly enough, came out same year and is also a biopic shot in black and white. I don't think I've seen Elephant Man. I might have seen bits and pieces about it, but I have seen that one movie that's like, with the kid who has the fucked up face? Mask. Mask, That's yeah. a different movie. It's like the Elephant Man, though. Sure. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, it's just... Wow. That, that whole scene at the end is just incredible. His freak out. And then his... Seeing him in the shitty nightclub... With the, the, the crappy, like, burlesque act. He's doing his garbage. Oh, uh, yeah, that was sad. His garbage. Uh, She's, like, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like a washed-up starlet. Just la-la-la-la-la. Just a cum rag. Yeah, and he had, yeah, his garbage comedy routine. He's like, come on, guys. Pull that guy a drink. Pissing it for me. Yeah, he's just, his whole comedy act is just shit on the people that are there. Basically, y'all look like a bunch of junkies. <laughs> uh, yeah. This movie is uh, it's a roller coaster ride in a way of emotions. Uh, it's also, it's a, a lot of it focuses on his relationship with his brother. His younger brother, played by Joe Pesci. Uh, who's also kind of a volatile, as we've sort of mentioned, he's volatile. Very volatile. He always plays someone volatile. Of course. That's but he's a little thing. bit more, uh, I don't know, less, he's less unhinged, of course, than, like, Jake. Yes. Like, there's moments where, he, like, even he, like, kind of has enough of what Jake is doing. He's the only one who actually kind of stands up to him. Stands up to him. When he's about to beat his wife again in front of everybody. Exactly. That's why probably she cheated on him all the time. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly Alleged. the reason. Yeah. Um. And then it's it's interesting, yeah, to see that relationship ultimately sort of break down. Yeah, even when they have the little reunion, you could tell he's like, I'm never calling this guy. Never again. Like, I don't want him near my family. Like, this was an awkward, accidental, like, I was going to the grocery store. Like, w- yeah. He bumps into him on the street at the end of the movie. And it's funny to see sort of the transition, the transformation between the two. He's more, Jake is more overweight. And if you notice, uh, Joe Pesci looks pretty, like, Joe thin. Pesci just looks happy and just... He looks, like, thinner than he usually does. Yeah. Without being, like, living a boxer life where it's all this traveling. And Less stress. Yeah, you're trying to make your brother Doesn't career. have to deal with this animal. <laughs> yeah, and he was a good manager because, like, as soon as uh, Robert De Niro lost him, he, like, lost everything. Exactly. Yeah. 
The fight, yeah, the fight uh, right after uh, Joe, he... So, there's an incident in the movie where Robert, uh, Jake LaMotta finally explodes. His paranoia and jealousy finally just get the best of him. Yeah. And he... Uh, he hits it, he interrogates his wife, terrorizes her, and starts beating her after she tells him that she's been, she, I think it was before she got married to him, I think. No, she said, it was during that, it was right, it was then. Yeah, it was okay, it was during when, yeah, she admits that she's cheating on him. But I feel like if she didn't really admit it, she just said it to get him to like, because that's what he kept saying. It's like, oh, if you're going to keep saying it. Then sure, I'll I'll finally like, admit it. What's the, what's gonna change now? And then and that's when he went crazy. He just starts hitting her, and he decides, well, I'm gonna fucking murder my brother. <laughs> yeah. And he fucking busts into his uh, brother's home, in front of his family, and starts beating him and choking him. Uh, and then his wife tries to stop him, and he just he knocks her, the, her like hard. It's awful. It is. And, uh, yeah, that's the, the last you, you pretty much see of Joe Pesci for a while. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're out of my life. Like, you're, you're done. We're done. And then after uh, this one fight, which Jake almost loses, uh, it's a pretty intense fight. Uh, there's that scene where they're washing, the, like, rinsing the sponge over. It's just like, it's Bloody all blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's all uh, blood water. Yeah, it's just blood water. And then after the fight, uh, his wife, who he made up with. I know, somehow. Unfortunately, that's probably a, a byproduct of the time. Yeah, she had nowhere really to go. Yeah, you just like, oh, well, he's just, you know, maybe we can make it work. Um, it's before, like, I don't know, in the 60s is probably when divorces became less stigmatized. That, yeah, women started, like, just take, getting more rights and taking the power back. Exactly. Um, she tells him to, to call his brother to try to maybe make up with him. And it actually results in a, in a funny scene yeah. uh, where Joe Pesci thinks that it's this, uh, this guy that he's, he's always hated, this mob guy. Uh, that he beat up. Who he beats up for... Badly. Yeah. He beats up for, uh, you know, fucking around with Jake's wife. Um, and also, I think, because he also had feelings for Jake's wife, too. Oh, everyone did. She was a town Like, she was 15. It's... it's all the guys wanted to fuck her. It's, it's very... It's fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. Um, the good old days, as the boomers would say. No. Not at all. I mean, yeah, like, I guess it's cool that, like... Men were a little bit more proactive, I guess, and wasn't beating their wives. No, not in that sense, but like, I don't know, just the way that they they handled like building things and going to war. I mean, I think they're doing that. We're just not those kind of men. No, I don't know. That's still all happening. It's not like that time was all. It, you know, it's just like with any time. It's not. Ter- it wasn't completely terrible, but it wasn't great either. But it was better than 100 years before that. And things are better now. But they're not great. 
Sadly, they're getting to get worse. But yeah, you know, it's fine. Seems like they're getting worse. Yeah. Kind of regressing a little bit, but you know. We'll <laughs> regressing a lot. A lot, a lot. We could survive a couple nuclear winters. We'll see. Get our shit together. Go to the stars. After we've blown up Earth like two times. Um, we'll see if that's even feasible. It's bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know. What were we saying? He's a wife beater. Right. No, you're talking about the scene where he goes and beats his brother up. Oh yeah, and then yeah, he called he calls his brother afterwards and then he doesn't say anything. So it leads his brother to think like he's being prank called by uh, the guy that he hates. And he's like, "Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks." You got that? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty ridiculous. funny line. It is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, there's some mo- there's some moments that are pretty funny in this movie. Uh, like I get a couple chuckles, but I, obviously it's not a comedy. It's very serious. Just like here comes the boom, you're right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, a very serious it's film. A good follow up to the seriousness. Very uh, you know, a, a haunting portrait of a, a man trying to make money for his. Mm-hmm. Art teacher, while well, not beating women up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who's a better. It's character. definitely a more positive movie for sure. Mm. But I think that's kind of what I what I find interesting about it. Uh, is that a lot of bio- biopics usually like to paint their subject, especially biopics that the uh, person works on it. Yeah, the the real person is actually a part of the production. Usually, they're like, "All right, well, you know, maybe don't put this thing in that I did that I'm not too proud of." Or where I was a drug addict, or I beat my wife, or I beat up this one person, or you know, said the N-word some a sort lot. of some sort of morally dubious thing that kind of makes funny, you go. He's like, "You can leave in the wife beating, but take out all the times I said the N-word." <laughs> I I don't know. I don't even know if like they really even listened to anything Jake LaMotta was saying, except if it, unless it had anything to do with boxing. He might have just been a consultant for the, the boxing scenes. Hmm. But everything else, they might have been like, all right, well, well, we'll just leave him out of the wife beating aspect yeah. of it. Well, he wrote the books, so I guess. I mean, maybe yeah. He just he wanted to kind public of knowledge. wanted to just lay it out and lay it all out there. They probably had. A, I wonder if they had to pay him. I'm sure they did. Had that right? Did like was that guy so down on his luck that he had sold the bio the rights of the bio- biography? Or maybe it was just a situation where it was like, if as long as he's getting paid, he's he's fine with how they portray him. Yeah, yeah, maybe that desperate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but I feel like you want to, uh, you want to start your favorite segment. Questions? Questions? Questions for Lee? For Lee? Lee, I have questions. You got questions for me, you fucking mook? What 
kind of pineapple are you? The prickly kind. Wait, we have a guest star. Ah, uh, she's shy. Oh, there she is. She has a lot to say, doesn't she? Little dog ASMR. Alright, well, any questions for you? Um, well, first basic one is... Sorry, being attacked right now. Uh, when when did you first see this movie? Is this a childhood movie for Lee? Like a weird one of those weird ones, or? Well, I wouldn't. Like, Lee, were you a little young for this? I wouldn't say it was a childhood movie. No, it was definitely a movie. I think I probably saw in my later teens. It was a part of that time where you watched all those movies, like a, that giant chunk of time movies. Mm-hmm. I think it might have even been around the time that I like watched Taxi Driver. Although I don't think, no. So maybe you went on a Squares, Scorsese binge a little bit? Kind of. I mean, I haven't seen all of his... I actually have not seen all of his movies. So you like him more than you like Quarantine Chain Tarnas Eternal? Overall, yes, actually, I do. I, I meant Tarantino. But Tarantino. Just so you, for the people you, don't, that don't, you don't have to apologize. For the people it's that fine. understand <laughs> what I meant there. Um... Yeah. What was your answer to that? I saw this movie probably when I was maybe 15, 16, mm. 17? Uh, maybe like So 16. a teenager. Yes. Definitely a teenager. Not yeah. a child. Well, not a, you're a child, but not a young child. No, I was not a young child. Is this your favorite Squeezy movie? Yes. Yes, it is. What movie of Squeezy would I like? Have I seen anybody of Squeezy? Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, you think this is better? Oh, I know this guy's on meth. Fucking no. Just flat out not even remotely same hemisphere. Like, is it, Are they both movies? Because one of them is not. I don't agree with that at all. But yeah, you're. I'm, de- I'm the fartist. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Anything. Oh, I appreciate like actual like great. Well, The Wolf of Wall Street is a great movie. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the last decade. It's amazing that that movie's like ten years old now. That's ridiculous. And Scorsese is coming out with a uh, a new film this year, which also will have Leo in it, and Robert De Niro. Of course. It's a movie. Like Nine hundred years old now. Uh, it's a movie. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon, and I had just listened to the audio book of the book that it's based on. It's based on a true story. Uh, a really fucked up, uh, awful true story Sounds about horrible. about basically uh, in the early like nineteen twenties. There was this uh, the tri uh, in Oklahoma. There was the Osage Native Americans, the Indian the Osage Indians, who stumbled upon an oil well Uh-oh. on their uh, their uh, their property, and so they uh, were you know like all right, well this is going to make us rich, and they were able yeah they were able, they technically 
own the land that this oil is on. So they were technically very rich. But since White things man. were very, very, very racist at the time, uh, the state government came in and said, you need to be, you are going to be wards of the state because you can't be trusted with this money. Makes sense. No, I'm just kidding. It's terrible. You're horrible. <laughs> and so they had to have white people who were dead, like, yeah, actual like, like, caretakers, white basically. caretakers who will be able to, like, sign off on everything for them so they could get what they call their head rights. That's the money that they're supposed to be getting from the, the, revenue. the oil. So what ended up happening was a grand conspiracy uh, uh, began where the uh, white caretakers started killing the Indians that they were supposed to, uh, like, basically, like, not really protecting, but they were supposed to be protecting their money. But basically, they just, they signed off, like, on, like their life insurance policies, and through all these different uh, fucked up incidents, all of these different very rich Osage Indians were just turning up dead. <laughs> And it was a conspiracy that was going on for many, for a few years, and nobody in Oklahoma, none of like, they basically like, the people doing this were like, the ones who were uh, running the like, who could basically, yeah, they could basically just pay every like cop and judge, lawyer, to just look past all of it. Yeah, and and then people were super racist. So eventually. The early version of the FBI is called in, and then this is where they uncover, like, this grand conspiracy. And uh, I think it's going to be a really great movie. Uh, The book was really good. It's a really, really messed up story that a lot of people probably never heard of. Um, Does anyone get punished? Some people do, but I I don't want to give... Will you ever actually watch this movie? It's no. No. Okay. Well, some people do, and the thing was is that the conspiracy wasn't like it wasn't like a bunch of people working together on it. Everybody was sort of individually deciding they going after their yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. So a lot of people, a lot of like murders, kind of just got overlooked not even because like it was racism it's just because there were so many other things you couldn't find evidence on every single one of them exactly so yeah there's a lot of uh, injustice that happened there Hmm. I'm looking forward to that movie Hmm. I mean I'll go see any Scorsese movie at this at this point okay Is this your favorite Robert De Niro movie? It's my f- probably. <sighs> wow. I do think it is probably his best performance. Really? Even after seeing The Intern? I'm <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I'm not for me, but for you, I know that'd be ridiculous. But even from like Casino and. Taxi Driver. Well, Taxi, taxi Driver is the one where I'm like, I don't. 
Do I like it better than that one? What about the one where they're singing and dancing? That one sounds funny. I haven't seen that. It's called, you yeah. You should watch that. That sounds funny. New fun. York, New York. I'll watch that. I'll try to watch every Scorsese movie eventually. Um. Oh, wow. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, I'll say it's my favorite. That's crazy. It's It's just a... I think it's an absolutely... I think what I love about his performance, it's not the big, loud, emotional outbursts that he has in the film. You know, that's very... That's easy. Anybody can really do that. Of course, he does it... He does it perfectly, where it's, you know... It's genuinely, like, terrifying at points how, like, angry he gets. Mm-hmm. But I think he he also, and this is what I love about Robert De Niro as an actor in general, uh, is that he says a lot without saying a word. You can just kind of tell what he's thinking by just the look in his eye, or the way that he's standing, or just the look on his face. He's a good actor. He's one of the one of the greatest, probably my favorite actor. Honestly. And that's probably an easy answer. Uh, but, I mean, it's just the man's work is undeniably just some of the best in all of cinema. Hmm. And I think this is a towering achievement for him. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, well, what what's... What's your... I mean, out of since you love everything, what's your favorite thing? Oh, wow. My favorite thing, I think just the thing that I really, like, just draws me to it is the fact that even though Jake LaMotta is a horrible person, an extremely loathsome character, um... It does that thing in movies where, like, if you spend enough time with a character, you begin to sort of, even if you don't necessarily begin to like them, you begin to see their humanity. And I think Scorsese and Robert De Niro both somehow find the humanity in this awful, toxic man. And all of his rage and jealousy and paranoia, there's still something inherently human about him. Uh, like I think a good example is the scene where he has to throw the fight, where he uh, his when his brother beats up uh, that one guy who's mafia re- related. Uh, they have to. He has to apologize to the guy's mafia boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that puts him in his debt, basically. And that forces Jake to have to take a dive yeah, that's in a, a fight. It's the only scene where you feel kind of bad for him. And then, yeah, once that happens. Because it's so obvious, because he doesn't even... Because uh, he just lets the guy hit him, but he doesn't let him knock him down. That's his whole thing. He doesn't let... And he's never gonna. Go, he never will go down. So it's like a, TK, a standing TKO. Yeah. 
But everybody knew. fake as fuck. But everybody knew. It's like, ah. Oh, yeah, he, he got in trouble and everything. And he lied to the face of the boxing commissioner. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, in the locker room after the fight, everybody, you know, he's just breaking down in tears. Uh, Joe Pesci uh, is miserable. also crying. And his uh his other manager that old <laughs> that old guy he's like oh no like, oh, you want to quit uh, quit and then he starts crying it's just so and then a reporter tries to come in and get the fuck out of here and it's just like yeah you you see uh there's some glimmers of humanity in him even in the uh, I'd say even the the montage uh when he gets married. He goes on his honeymoon and all that. It's also sort of a humanizing moment. Uh, and I'm just, yeah, it's just, it's in, it's interesting to me that I hate Jake LaMotta, but I also pity him. Yeah, because he's such a pile of shit. Um, all right, well, I want to hear it. What's your biggest criticism? Well, I don't want to say it's too long, but I do feel like there is a, there's a point where I feel like it would have ended perfectly and then the movie just kind of keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Like it's the, uh. It's the scene where uh, he's opening. He just opened his club, the the Jake Lamada Club. Literally calls it Jake Lamadas. Um, and he's doing his whole like routine, and uh, it's it's terrible. And then he you know he ends it with uh, he kind of ends it the way that the movie opens with the you know that's entertainment. Yeah, but they wanted he wanted to show him like the collapse of him, but like the absolute just downfall. Like, oh, his you, you think you think that oh, is he, he just becomes a shitty stand-up comedian. You think that's as bad as it gets? Nope. <laughs> Jail. Yeah, yeah, and becoming a disgrace, kind of. Losing your wife and family. Mm-hmm. All right, Lee. Because we know how long this is going to take. What is your rating? Well. <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your rating, Lee? Well, ellipses. <laughs> In big white letters. On a black shirt. That'd be awesome. Maybe one day. Maybe one for day. For not lazy. <laughs> and have money. And have money, yes. Woo! <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is an incredible movie for me. If you look on my letterbox, letterbox has this thing where you can choose like your favorite like four movies. Mm. Uh, this is this is one of them. Uh, I really don't have anything like negative to say i think it's it's an absolute masterpiece uh it's crazy it took you so long to show it to me eh, 
I mean, I didn't want to. Yeah, it's one of those movies like I, Raging Bull. Hey, let's just watch Raging Bull. It's kind of a movie you, you do have to be in the mood for, obviously. Yeah. It's a bummer fest. It's it's a bit of a downer. It's I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's like that depressing. But it's not a happy experience. It is a movie that really d- is confrontational in the sense that it's really like it puts you right in there with this very loathsome disgusting character uh who was a real person um and it's just it just it to me it's just i just i love the honesty in it um i just think like it's sort of, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's brave to kind of tackle this, this subject matter the way that they did, in a way that it did turn a lot of people off. Critics didn't love it when it first came out. Uh, they thought it, they did think it was too violent, and, uh, that Robert De Niro's character was too unlikable to really, uh, to really uh, like sit through the two hour, two and a half hour long length of the film, but of course over time, uh, I think people realize like, you know, this is a movie that really, uh, you know, it's it actually like it's confrontational in a way that like makes us sort of kind of put these negative, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling, but it sort of makes us kind of put our negative emotions in, like, in context. And sort of makes us think, like, hmm, makes me think, as a person who might actually have some rage issues themselves, um, and even depression, I feel like Jake's also a little bit of a depressive, too. Yeah, definitely. If you're that angry. Because, yeah, depression and anger do sort of mingle a lot. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, this is a kind of movie where it's like, all right, well, you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, movies, I like, then, I, I, movies can sort of serve as a, as a good sort of uh, moral guide in a way. Uh, so I, I, with that, uh, I mean, what else can I say? It's 10 out of 10. It's one of my all-time favorite films. Nosebleed. Um, but no, that makes sense after everything you just said. Be crazy, you're like, 7 out of 10. (laughs) 6 out of 10. It's an average film, actually. I just love it. Um, well, that makes sense for you. This is very a Lee film. Lee Lee is stamped all over this film. Um, it's a very not me film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of those films I definitely can go, oh yeah, the acting is great, the directing is great and all that stuff. I'm not like crazy. Um, but it's just not a film for me. It's so depressing, so just negative, just beating women, just... Everything I don't like. The only way you kind of liked it less is if they like killed a puppy or something. He threatens to kill a dog. 
Yeah, so I was like, for a second, I was like, I swear to God, leave. He kills that dog. Because I felt like I saw a smirk on your face. Like, like you knew, you knew something was coming. It's funny when he's yelling at that guy. He's like, you hear me, right? Right. And he's got that dumb face. There's a couple moments where, like, I don't, you're not really meant to laugh, but there's just, like, moments where Robert De Niro just looks like a out. fucking, no. It's just, Robert De Niro just looks like a Neanderthal. Yeah. It's like that Neanderthal caveman face. I think that's what he's going for. It like makes a me laugh. He's got a big blocky face, yeah. Especially when Joe Pesci calls him a, screw, a screwball. <laughs> and to me, he looks exactly what like, I think a screwball is. <laughs> he's hair, a boomer, ladies and gentlemen. His hair all, is all like goofy and shit. It's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're an old man. I am. Um, I'll give this film... Just because it's like I, it's very long. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I guess just feels. I don't know. I'll give it a six out of ten because I don't feel like it. And all the points are from like the acting and the filmmaking the actual film I just there's no no I don't like it I don't he's fucking a 15 year old he marries a 15 year old basically it's like he's just a bad person it's not a cool story it's, to learn about it's a pretty confrontation yeah it's a comp I'd say a complex movie that's I didn't say very it challenging wasn't. yeah I mean I'm just saying it's it's an acquired taste definitely is you have to sort of like dark character dramas. And I don't. I literally showed you here comes a boob. Yes. Kevin Hart is the opposite of that. Not Kevin Hart, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Both of them, really, but Kevin James. Yes, definitely. Kevin Hart is the opposite of this as well. <laughs> Did you even. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's time to wrap up. I think Lee just realized I just had a thought. You didn't even. <laughs> you didn't even pick a movie. I forgot completely, but guess what? I'm not a fucking total fart. I have a whole... Oh, no, what are you talking about? Yes, I did. I fucking told you last week that I had picked it. I'm oh, fucking... I completely re- forgot. Fucking a monkey butt. Uh, Daddy's Little Girls. Daddy's Little Girl. No. God damn it. Daddy's Little... What? Daddy's Little Girls. It's a Tyler Perry movie with uh, Eldris Elba. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. And like his, yeah. Or Idris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another Tyler yeah, Perry yeah, movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, the last movie, Good Deeds, isn't a Tyler Perry movie. He's just in it. But it's he not. He didn't direct it? I thought he directed it. I don't think it was made by a student. Well, maybe it was. I thought it was. I didn't recognize. I guess, no, maybe it was, yeah. Okay, good. I'm showing you another Tyler Perry movie. This is a full-on Tyler Perry movie. Okay. More Tyler Perry, yay. I'm pretty sure Medea's in this, but I can't remember. Oh, God. <laughs> Tyler Perry is amazing, and everyone's going to love it. Um, but, yes, look forward to that. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please follow us on Instagram. It's not the worst movie ever pod. We post weekly content highlights on the movie that we watched and talked about. Uh, you'll find our personal Instagrams there. Go follow us on our own personal Instagrams. 
at my Instagram, you'll find in my bio, you'll find the tap my ta- uh, username for my TikTok, Hammer Books. Go follow me there. I post content weekly about nerdy shit, books, reviews, recommendations, all the good stuff, manga, pops, all the good stuff. Um, but we hope you like this week's episode. Uh, make sure to like, share, leave a comment, review, interact with the podcast any way you can. It really helps us out. Uh, it tells the algorithm people are looking at this, and then it pumps it out to more people. Uh, but we hope you have a great week. We hope you enjoyed listening to the episode, and we will see you next time. I'm off to see Barbenheimer. Oh, God. <laughs>